Love you much. I'm glad you're here. I love your preacher. I love your stand here. Listen. The other day, I got up in the morning, and guess what? I found somebody in my room. I thought, what in the world? I said, what are you doing here? He said, what are you doing here? I said, what do you mean, what am I doing here? What are you doing here? I said, who are you? I said, let me see your ID. He showed me his ID. And my picture was on it. I said, what? When I was talking to the mirror, I didn't know that. I'm old. That's what happens when you get old, you know. Amen. <laughs> you don't understand when you're 83 years old. Amen. Now, one of these young ladies over here I hurt is 91. Bless your heart. And you know what? She was here for Sunday school. Some of you young codgers couldn't even get up. You wimpies. My mama told me Sunday school was important as church time. And Sunday night was important as Sunday morning. And Wednesday night was just as important. And she took me to church. We walked. To ch- I told her, morning, we walked quite a ways to church. We did an, an American activity. We walked. We didn't have a car. And we walked in the wintertime. She said, just bundle up. And we walked all the way. Amen? And so we went there Sunday morning, Sunday school, church, Sunday night. Okay? And Wednesday night. Week after week after week after week after week. And guess what? I got saved. And I, I uh, thank God for that because I had roots. And so I, I, want you to, I, want you, I want you to think about this. I want you to, hey, I want to show you one of my favorite verses in the Bible. Acts 13.13. 13. How many know Acts 13.13? 13, 13. Acts 13.13. 13. And when Paul... And it's come, they were loosed from Pampus. They came to Pergia and Pamphylia. And John departed from them, returning to Jerusalem. Let's pray together. God and Heavenly Father, thank you, Lord, for this morning. I thank you for this church. And God bless the pastor. God bless his family. God, keep them safe. Bring them home safe. Bring them fired up. God, we need revival. And I just pray you work in our hearts this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. The message I have this morning is I quit. Okay? I quit. How many have ever in your life said, I quit? How many got discouraged and said, man, I don't know if I can go on any longer? I quit. Have you ever said that? How many have said that? What did the rest of you do? Never started? Okay. <laughs> well, better. But here, John Mark was on this missionary trip and he went home. He just quit. And I want to tell you some things this morning. I hope that you'll you'll, uh, realize there's some great things in the Word of God. And I just said, I quit. Let me tell you why. You'll understand. I'm 83 years old. I've had more problems in my life than ever before I was saved. It's quiet in here. I accepted Jesus 61 years ago. I made a profession at 9 years old. And I don't. I look back and I thought, I don't know that I, I really trusted the Lord as my Savior at that time. And so at 22 years of age, while I was in college, I was playing football. And uh, before that, I started dating my wife. And uh, 
She said on the first date, I asked her if she knew she was going to heaven. I don't remember that. And I was, like I said, I was in a backslidden condition, and I thought, did I say that? But she said I did. So she said I did, I did. You know, you never question your wife. All right? So the thing is about this, hey, I was going on, and I was in a weightlifting club because I, I was training for football. And a man that was an instructor there, his name was Daryl Scott. Daryl Scott had won some titles for bodybuilding, you know, Mr. Nebraska and stuff like that. He came in one night, and he had tears in his eyes. He said, what's going on? He said, I want to tell you something. I was standing out here in the corner. He said, a man stopped me and shared with me from my Bible, he's Catholic, how I could be saved. He said, I accepted Jesus as my Savior. He said, I saw you at that church over here. He said, "Uh, do you read your Bible? And I said, oh, yes. You know, and I read it in church. I wasn't reading my Bible. And he was weeping and telling everybody about Jesus. He turned on a program. The man that owned the, the, the recreation place was Jewish. He turned on a, a program from a Baptist church about telling about the Word of God and how people could get saved. And this other guy that was in there, he, he was quite a great lifter. And uh, the thing is about this, he, he came in and he said, that guy's gone crazy. He he worships Jesus. And, and, and he's all talking about Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. He said, I'm sick of it. And I said to him, but he's right. He said, you're not one of those crazy people, are you? <laughs> and I said, yes. I went home that night. And I wept. And I said, God, I've heard this all my life. And here a guy that just got saved is telling me about Jesus. I could have told him if I was right with God, but I wasn't. He said his, his wife and he were ready to get a divorce. Now she was saved. This was only a few weeks after he was saved. He said his mom and dad were saved. He was so excited about being saved. Don't take for granted what you have. I wept and wept and I said, Jesus, it's just like I'm putting that spear in your, your side instead of pulling it out and you're telling me, you love me, you love me, you love me, you love me. And I repented that night. I said, God, I want to live for you. I want to love you. I want to serve you. And I already bought my wife an engagement ring. And uh, that was hard to do when you're in college and working all the time. And I said, I'm not going to give it to her unless she gets saved. I want a Chrysler at home or nothing. So one night, I took her to church, took her home, and I shared the gospel with her. And she got saved. And I was so thankful. And I said, I'm going to talk to you about something else. Now, if I had the wisdom I had now, I'd waited to see the fruit of that. But I didn't wait. I just gave her the ring, you know. <laughs> and I said to her, you better let... No, I didn't say that. But anyway, it was just exciting. But you know what? When I was in college, like I said, 61 years ago, I lost all my football player friends. Lost all of them. A bunch of football players who played military, on military teams. They broke all the rules on and off the football team. They messed up the team. And they were getting kicked out of college. The administration said, you're out. And they got a petition. They were going around to all the students and said, sign this. And people looked at them and said, okay. And they signed them. 
And I said, these, I told these thugs, I'm not signing it. He said, wait a minute. They're going to kick us out. And I said, they're not kicking me out. And they threatened my life. I said, I don't care, I'm not signing it. I'm just not signing it. And you know what? My other friends on the football team did. Students throughout the school did. A whole bunch of them. They were my friends. But none stood with me. I had to stand all alone under these threats. Wait. Wait. Can you hear that voice? Can you hear that voice? Do you hear it? Oh. Is that Joseph? Joseph. How are you doing? Oh yeah, I know. Your brothers wanted to kill you. They wanted to murder you. I know that. Yeah, and your brother said, let's sell him to the slave. As a slave. And you went into slavery and God prospered you. And you did very well. Yeah, I know, Potiphar's wife. That whorish woman. Yeah. She accused you of trying to molest her. I know that. And you did right. Yeah, you got cast into prison. I realize that, Joseph. Joseph? Yeah, I know. When you were in prison, they tell me in Psalm 105 that you were hurting in prison. They put you in those chains and you were hurting. And you wonder where God was. And God prospered you and rose you up out of that. How did you do that, Joseph? Keep my eyes on Jesus. Keep my eyes on Jesus. Okay, Joseph. I'll keep my eyes on Jesus. So I started marching along. Amen. And as I went on, I told I told I told Joseph that no, my brother never tried to kill me. At least he never. He said he would, but he didn't do it. Okay. You know what? I was in college. In Bible, and I went. I went to college, and I I couldn't find a job, and I kept looking and looking, and I got a job at this meat market in the slaughterhouse. I made a dollar twenty-five cents an hour. You said, "Oh, that was probably good pay way back in the olden days before their cars on the road." But you know what? I was making three dollars an hour in the summer, and the average wage then was five dollars and fifty cents an hour. And here I took this job for a buck and a quarter. I said, "God, what is this?" And I was ending up working fifty, sixty hours a week, and during that year. My first child was born, my precious daughter. I was so tired as I was working in this meat market in this slaughterhouse carrying sides of beef. And on slaughter day, hope you have a strong stomach. There's blood and guts all over the place. And I had to I had to take the brains out of the cattle so that people could buy them. I had to get the 
I had to get the blood out of the hearts. I had to cut the fat off the lungs so that they could sell them to the mink farmers. And, and I hung all those things up on the heads all up on a rack and all that kind of stuff. And I said, wow. And while I was working, one night I had a fever. And when I took my shirt off, I had a great big boil on my arm. I knew it was there, but it got worse and worse. In fact, it was double. And I got blood poisoning. And I came home, and I could feel the pain going up in my arm. And I, call, I, I didn't have a telephone, I couldn't afford it, so I went to the neighbors late at night and knocked on the door, and I said, he's a pre-med student, he said, he said, man, I've never seen a boy like that in my life. He called the doctor. The doctor says, well, is it draining at all? And I said, well, I don't know what's coming to a head. He said, well, you soak it all night in Epsom salts, warm water. And I thought to myself, I, don't, I haven't had any sleep. I have to sit up with that thing. So I got a bright idea. See, I'm an inventor. So I thought, and remember, they, I don't think you even see them anymore, those half-gallon milk bottles. I, we had one of those, and I said, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to throw a piece of paper in there and light it and throw it in there. And then I'm going to put it on my arm. When it, when, it, when it burns up the oxygen, it'll make a suction. And I said, it'll suck that right out of there. I put it on there, and that thing got so tight, and it was so sore. And, 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 and my, wife, my wife told me not to do it. She, she, and, and that thing, and all that I got out of it was blood and nothing else. And I said, oh, brother. And now it was so tight I couldn't get it off. And I had to press on it so I could get some air in there to let that suction go. And I got that off. And man, I was so tired, you know. I said, God, my daughter's being, she's born, she's going to be born pretty soon. And I can't get any sleep. And when she's born, I didn't get any sleep either. You know how those babies are. They want to eat at night. Amen. So, I said, I quit. I just, I quit. Do you hear that voice? Do you hear that voice? Do you hear it? Job? Yes, Job? No, I never lost everything I had, no. No, I never lost seven sons and three daughters, no, no. No, I never had boils all over my body. No, no, sir, I, I, I didn't have them. I know you suffered greatly. No, I didn't have all my friends come and tell me what was wrong with me because that's why you were suffering like that. I, I, never, I never had friends tell me that. No. No, Job, I didn't. I never heard that. Job, how did you make it? How did you make it, Job? Keep your eyes on Jesus. Keep your eyes on Jesus. Keep your eyes on Jesus. Okay, Job. I'm going to keep my eyes on Jesus. I won't quit. I'll keep my eyes on Jesus. Amen? And as I went on, I went on to graduate school, studied in Milwaukee, became a probation parole officer. Then I got a job in West Ellis School System. While I was in, when I was working in an office with these parole agents, there was 150 of them. 
supervisors, all of them mocked me because I told them I was a Christian. All of them. I just worked and worked and worked to please them. What they did for that? said, man, you're doing so much. We'll give you the opportunity to have more parolees than anybody else. I had 150 parolees under my supervision. That really helped. <coughs> and spiritually, I was in no man's land. Supervisors mocked me. I told a supervisor when I was in graduate school, his name was Arnie Blonick, and Arnie Blonick came to me. He gave me an article. It was all about different values in the world. I said, Arnie, I'm in graduate school my last semester. I said, don't you think I know there's, there's different values in the world? I said, Arnie, but the only values that count are God's values. And I said, you're a big phony. You go to that church down there, that Lutheran church in town, and you don't believe a thing. Well, that went over big. <laughs> I told my wife when I got home, I'm going to get kicked out of school for sure. Then I got out of school. Anyhow, God protected me because He tried. And the thing is about this, I said, man, but I was so tired working. I was rebuilding a house in Milwaukee, all that kind of stuff. I said, I quit. I just quit. I'm not going. I'm not going. I'm not going on anymore. You hear that voice? Do you hear that voice? Moses, you're one of my heroes. Yes, Moses. Yeah. You got raised by Pharaoh. You had a wonderful position like Pharaoh's son. Yeah, I know, I know that. That Egyptian was beaten on one of your brothers and you killed him. Then you were worried that somebody saw you. Yeah. You went to Medina. And you hid out for 40 years. And when you were 80 years old, what happened? Oh yeah, I remember. God called you out of a burning bush. He said, go back to Egypt. The last place you wanted to go was back to Egypt. Yeah, I know. And you said, I can't do it. But you went. And God showed you how that you could overcome Pharaoh. I remember that. And then for 40 years, you led a bunch of rebels, except Joshua and Caleb. And all those people did all kinds of things. They backslid. They did all kinds of things. And they even wanted to kill you. I remember that. Moses, how did you do that? Keep your eyes on, on Jesus. You want me to keep my eyes on Jesus? I guess I'll try again, Moses. I'm going to keep my eyes on Jesus. Okay. If you say so. You said we got to Mount Pisgah. Canaan land was just in sight. 120 years old. Wow. I'll keep my eyes on Jesus. Then I went and worked with juvenile delinquents at a ranch in Wisconsin. Assistant director, director of clinical services. We have juvenile delinquents live with us. My wife is excited. 
I brought these delinquents home. She said, I don't, if you bring anybody home, don't bring home Rodney. I said, okay. So the director said, I'd like you to take Rodney home. <laughs> Pages off this, burglaries and drugs, 17 years old. He said, he said, the judge said, there's no hope for this guy. His brother's in prison. And if he doesn't, if you don't take him, we're going to send him to prison. So I came home to my, my honey and I said, honey, I got somebody in, in, I'm thinking about coming to live with us. And she said, Rodney. <laughs> I said, yes, dear. So we brought Rodney home. Rodney was with us a little while and had no mercury I was saving. I thought I was going to rebuild it, but never had the money, so I gave it away. We said, if you ever move those cars, son, be very careful because we got little children, we got pets. You understand? He said, yes, sir. So one day we could hear him outside and could hear the the motor on that car. And so I went out there and said, Rodney, come in the house. Sit down. He sat down at the kitchen table. I said, I told you to be careful with that car. He said, oh, I was careful. <laughs> and my wife said, we could hear the gravel flying. He started cussing and carrying on. And I said, buddy, I'm daddy here. I ran around the table and he went running. He went out running through the front yard. Now I'm going to teach you how to do social work. I tackled him. <laughs> and I grabbed him and I threw him all over the yard. Threw him this way and that way and everything. I said, buddy... If you don't listen to me, I'll beat the fire to you. Are you listening? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. I said, you better be listening. Because we're not putting up with that stuff around here. One day he was weeping. He said how he's rejected at school and stuff. So he came in, long-haired, you know. And I said, don't you worry about that. I'm helping you. And I said this. You think it's hard for you to go to that school? He said, yes. I said, let me tell you something, buddy. It's hard to have you live here also. But we love you. We want you here. You know where Rodney is now? He's an old man. How old is he, honey? Sixty. Sixty-five years old. I'm still 29. He passed me right up. He's in our church. He loves the Lord. He's been a blessing. He's one of the highest givers in our church. He made it through high school. He went to the Navy. And he got a job with Commonwealth Edison. He's retired. How can that be? I can't believe all that stuff. But then I went on, and I was praying, and God put on my heart to be a pastor. And I was praying and praying and praying, and the church called us in Beach Park, Illinois. It had been there five years, amen, not five years, 50 years, <laughs> and had five people on Wednesday night. And there just a few on Sunday morning, and uh, they didn't know... 
anything how a, a church should be run, they had a board of deacons. Not a, Deacons are supposed to be servants, not directors. And they had ladies on the board. And I came in and I said, I won't come here. They had me preach one Sunday and they wanted me to come. And I said, I won't come here unless those ladies are off the board. I said, God has asked our men to lead. And it's about time we get some men, take the lace off the underwear and start leading. <laughs> Amen? Yes, sir. I mean, lead out front. And I said, if, you don't, if, that, if that doesn't happen, I'm not coming. And they said, okay. We'll pay you $10,000 a year. No insurance. Four kids. I said, I'm not worried about that. So, I thought to myself, that's wonderful. I was excited. My wife was excited. And I thought, man, it's like entering heaven to be a pastor. Everybody loves a preacher. My mother did, anyhow. So I went to the church. And in five years, we had over 500. Oh, I was excited. Then the deacons called me in one day and he said, We're sick and tired of you talking so much about soul winning. We're sick and tired of you talking about the Bible. We're sick and tired of you and your church standards. I said, you're, He said, You're a legalist. I said, You don't know what a legalist is. Because legalist is somebody that says you do this or that for salvation. But when we do things right for God because you love Him, that's not legalism. That's love. They had a, they just, we just had battle after battle. So, they called in everybody. They had a church meeting. They wouldn't let any of the people, the new people, join the church. So we had a vote. And they voted me out by one vote. I called my honey up. said, come up here. I'd take my arm. I said, let's sing the song, They'll Know Christians by Our Love. People were, people were crying. Some people were hysterical. They're laying on the floor crying. What's going on? They couldn't believe this could happen among Christians. Listen, if you're a backslidden Christian, you're trouble. Are you listening? If you're a backslidden Christian, you are trouble. You're double-minded. you got things of this world on your heart. You know what those guys were concerned about? They'd get out of their cushy Christianity. You know what they worried about? Hey, they gave out awards for Sunday school attendance. But they didn't want to hear about soul winning. I said, nothing's changing. Nothing. When I came to that church, I had $128,000 in the bank. We had bought some property, seven acres of land to build a new building. Every dime I had, I put in that church. Almost every dime. But at, when I, when he got done there, I had $36 in the bank. Four kids, no job, didn't know where I was going. First night, we had 74 people at our house. In a few months, we had 30. You know why? Those people didn't sow in, but they knew how to gossip. That was Jim Jones and Khomeini and Hitler and who knows what else. So I quit. I said, that's it, I quit. I'm not going to keep going like this. I quit. That's it. 
I quit. When people call me Jim Jones and Hitler and everybody else, and I love those people, I can't take it anymore. Do you hear that voice? Do you hear that voice? Do you hear the voice? Do you hear it? Apostle Paul, I hear you. Yes. I know they stoned you and left you for dead. Yeah, I remember that. I remember that you were put in prison so many times. Yes, sir. Stoned and put in prison. You labored more abundantly than all of them. I remember reading that. You went through whippings more abundant, labor more abundant. Above measure, you're in prison frequently, more than anybody. In death, often, five times you're whipped with 39 stripes. That's nigh unto death. You're beaten with rods three times. You suffered in shipwreck. A day and a night in the deep. Had perils in the waters. Perils of robbers. Perils of your own countrymen. Perils of the heathen. Perils in the city. Yeah, I know that. Perils in the wilderness. Perils in the sea. Perils among false brethren. Weary in pain. Watchings. Sleepless nights. Watchings in hunger and thirst and fastings. Cold and nakedness. Besides that, the care of all the churches. You kept on going. I know that. How did you do that, Paul? Paul, how did you do that? Keep your eyes on Jesus. Keep your eyes on Jesus. But it's been tough. Keep your eyes on Jesus. You know, I I said, you know what? This chaos and all this stuff going on. I said, okay. Paul, I'm going to keep my eyes on Jesus. I had my few. We got a room in the library in Zion, Illinois. Found out a broad property. Kept looking around, looking around, and I found a property with seven acres of land and some old buildings on it. And I said, <laughs> we have no money. The man went $125,000. I said, how are we going to get that? $125,000. So I kept talking to him and said, Jim, you want 25000 down? Would you take 15000 I don't know why I said it. We didn't have 15 cents. And so I said, okay, we'll do the best we can. So I got together and we, we, we got together $4,000. That's all we could get. Somebody sent us $1,000 in the mail. Never came to our church. So we had $5,000. I said, 5000 How are we going to get the rest? The owner called me and said, I just want to tell you something. I said, what's that? 
We sold the property. I said, you did? I said, that lady from Michigan, she wants to put $40,000 down the property and she's going to get it on such and such a day. All the people were excited. Because I said, God put this property on my heart. Now they're looking at me. What's going on? So I went, God, I said, God, what? Now it's sold. Man, it's on Highway 131. It's ideal location. and I know it's old buildings and we don't have any money, but what are we going to do? So a few months later, I called him. I said, Jim, did you sell the property yet? He said, oh. I said, he said, the closing days in such and such a week. I said, I thought you told me this date. He said, no, it's in a few more weeks. I said, okay. I said, I want you to know something. I'm praying against you selling that. He laughed. <laughs> I said, I don't care. I know you don't believe in things of God, but I do. And I said, I'm praying against your sale. A couple of weeks went by, and I didn't hear anything from him. So I... No more time went by. Jim called me on the telephone. He said, Pastor. I said, yeah, are you still interested in that land? He, I said, yes. Didn't it sell? He said, no. And I said, praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. We're going to get it. We're going to get it. We're going to... Praise the Lord. He said, well, you got the 15000 I said, we're close. We only got 10000 more to go. And uh, we had a rummage sale, got $1,000. I said to the folks, I have a house that has equity. And I said, if you folks, anybody, if 10 of us, we had just young couples, young, remember, we weren't making enough money to live on Harley. And I said, would you be willing to, well, first I started out asking if they'd get a loan. And he says, oh, that's too much money. The, the payments are too high in $1,000. They said, well, if you put it on my, my house, we put that money on my house. And I said, in the equity, we'll get the equity, and you pay about $20 a month. Can you do that? And they said, yes. So we had all these people say they're going to give $20, and I said, I'll give $25. They'll make it even. We got $10,000. So I got the $10,000. And I went to I went to Jim, and I said, Jim, here's your money. Here's your fifteen thousand. And at that time, interest rates were like twelve percent. I said, could we just pay you instead of the bank? Because the bank would never give us that money. He said, okay. So we bought it for one hundred twenty-five thousand. The building we met in was an old, it was a mink farm, old mink farm, and. Uh, and, and uh, on this one side, first of all, over here was a garage door because they, they were, some men were using it for like a shop. And then when you got in there, there was a furnace and there was a bathroom. And then there was one quarter of the building that was here. Half the building was over there, but that half building was two steps deeper. See, first of all, we had to take all that stuff out of there. Freezers and coolers and cement. And one night I was there all night with the air hammer. It's good for me. So 
which got all that stuff out of there. These guys start taking down this middle wall, and I said, don't do that. There's a beam that goes from one end to the other that holds the whole thing up. Don't do it. So I got a steel post and made it, had it made, and we pounded that in there, luckily. But one part of that beam was rotted from the freezer. So I said, Anyway, we worked on that. We had a lot of guests. They're called mice. I'd be preaching, and mice would come in, come running right in, right, right near the front. And, I'd say, and the kids would go, So we had our ladies screaming and running all over. Everybody had to bring their own chairs because we didn't have any. So we, had, we had lawn chairs, this kind of chair, that kind of chair. We had, everybody had their own chair, you know. So we're sitting in there. And, uh, and then the furnace didn't have any ductwork on it. It was just blowing out. And there was no insulation on the building. It was a cement wall with no insulation whatsoever. Freezing cold in there. The wind would come from the north, and it was just like cold water going off of We sat in the corner there, and, and, uh, and the, the furnace would backfire. It would go, boom! And the blue would jump. And, and upstairs there were some rooms that were finished off, and there was a bathroom up there, and it had plastic pipes. You know how they have plastic pipes? And he came across the ceiling. It was all open, and then down to the drain. Well, the kids were up there, and every five minutes, it seemed like they were flushing the toilet. And that was behind me. That, that sound was behind me. I said, isn't it wonderful? It was two steps lower where they were sitting. I said, you're sitting down here in a valley, and off to the south, you can hear the waterfalls. And then that toilet and sink for the bathroom was right behind me. It only had three sides. You could see the sink and toilet behind me. I said, we're a fundamental independent Baptist church. No using the bathroom during the service. <laughs> and how we made it from there, I don't know. But we're still there. You know what that? We built a new building and the, and the property is worth over a million dollars. But it's a tough time. Isn't it? So I could give you story after story after story after story. We got going, and uh, I don't know where I'm at either. And uh, so after we got to the high, we had a high day of 625. Things were going great. Listen, but the ba- the bus driver, the bus driver, was backslidden. I mean, the the, the youth man. And the bus driver's wife was backslidden. Right in the middle of all this, the bus driver, the bus captain's wife, and the youth man ran off together. And one day he was outside. He lived on the property. First of all, he said nothing's going on. So I and the bus captain hid in the bushes over where they where the bus captain's wife lived I'm a detective and we saw him come over there so he came out of the bushes and said buddy stinking liar I said get out of here and he left but then we had a church meeting all that kind of stuff he said tell him what you call me I said I call you Jim Jones <laughs> He had a roll of tape in his hand. He threw it at me after this meeting, after we voted him out. I said, come on, buddy. He said, I'm an ornery old man. 
He and I were boxing years ago, and, and I hit him one time, and he was jumping, and I caught him when his feet weren't planted, and he turned upside down and fell on his head. I thought, you'd think that he wouldn't want to do that again, but I was willing to do it. I didn't have the right attitude, but that's what it was. But listen, when we went through all that trouble, and, and a family that had, they only had, had money in the church, his wife was a, a, a nurse in a hospital in Kenosha, She's the director of nursing. He was a truck driver. And he had like five kids. And uh, they left the church. I said, God, we're just, we're not going to make it. We, we, we don't, we didn't have. I said, the only way we made it was because that guy would back us up. But he left. So I said, God, don't you understand? We can't make it like this. And I said, I quit. I, I quit. You hear that voice? I said, I'm getting older and I'm going through all this kind of stuff. I quit. You hear that voice? You hear it? Apostle John, how are you doing? Oh, you're in heaven? At 95 years of age, I, I, know, I know you were you were in prison. Island of Patmos. And God was using you there. Yeah, I, I, I know. And on the Lord's day, you were in the Spirit. I know. And you had that vision about Jesus returning. Yeah. And you wrote the book of Revelation. God had you do that. 95. And I said, I'm 83. He said, I was 95. I said, okay. He said, what should I do? He said, Put, turn your eyes on Jesus. Okay. There it was. I continued on. Amen. David fell. But God restored him. Amen. Paul went through all these things. All these people went before us. He said, there's a great cloud of witnesses that gone before us. Amen? They went through all kinds of, all kinds of things. I don't know where I am in my notes anymore. Does that bother you? Amen? But look, I pray to God no matter what happens, that it really won't quit. I want to keep my eyes on Jesus. My ministry is, He's the author and what? Finisher of our faith. Honey, why don't you come here? She doesn't know this, but I She's going to help me. Come here, honey. Come on. Come on, jump right out of there. <laughs> come here, honey. Just come here. Come with me. We're going to go for a walk. Come over here. Okay. Let's turn around now. Turn around. Stand over here. 
God, I'm 83 years old and I've been running around all over the place. I'm old. I don't know how I could keep on going. You hear that voice? You hear it? His name is Jesus. Yes, I know. You didn't do a thing wrong and every friend you had ran away. They beat your face till it was unrecognizable. Blood was flowing down your face. They pulled out your beard. They beat your back. That blood was just flowing, I remember. Jesus, you want me to keep on going? Honey, look. Do you see him? Look with me. See? Do you see him? Do you see him? Do you see him? All the angels singing. All the people rejoicing. Mother, your mama's there. See your mama? See my mother? Look at honey. It's very close. Come with me. Come with me. Walk. Keep your eyes on Jesus, honey. Because it's very close. It's getting closer and closer. We're going to make it. We're going to make it because we're going to keep our eyes on Jesus. Amen. Amen. You see that? I want your head, bows, and eyes closed. God's got something for you to do. He's got something for you to finish. Finish it. Amen. God spoke to your heart this morning. Will you raise your hand? God spoke to your heart this morning. You raise your hand. Others, don't be ashamed to raise your hand. Look, look at me. Spoke to my heart. Every time I think about this, I think, oh God, thank you, Lord, for your love. Thank you that you shed your blood for me. My sins put you there. And ever since I saved everything I brought before you, you said, I forgive you. I forgive you, son. Keep on going. Keep on going. Keep on going. I'm with you all the way till you get to glory land. Canaan land is just in sight. Just in sight. Do you see it? Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for your power. Thank you for your strength. And God, thank you for the many joys. I spoke about things that were challenges with God. Preachers all over the country. Missionaries out there in the mission field. People living for Jesus. Serving you. What a blessing. And my honey's saved. My kids are saved. i got 14 grandchildren and Twelve great-grandchildren, I want them to see us go to the end. Just in sight, Lord. Not far away now. I want to serve you till I die. No matter what the cost, I can do it with your power. I can do it with your power, Lord. Thank you, Jesus, we could come to you today. God, if anybody's not saved, I pray they'll get saved this morning. They come to trust you. Receive you as their Lord and their Savior. I pray, God, that people think about this. Revive their soul. That they'll be bold for your name's sake and give you the glory. We're just sinners saved by the grace of God. But you gave us the power, the strength to finish our course. In Jesus' name.